The following podcast contains explicit language. One definition of explicit language is stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. That's why we use those words. Hello and welcome to episode 329 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This show will air on Monday, December 20th. That's nine days before the February LSAT registration deadline. Um, it's already past the January LSAT registration deadline, but that's going to happen the week of January 15th. Uh, I want to invite everybody to my January 2021 LSAT study group. You don't have to be registered for the January test to come to that. All you need is a free demon account. Uh, just go to lsatdemon.com, sign up for a free account, and you can come talk to me. And uh, it's a really enjoyable class to teach because we get all kinds of new folks and continuing folks. You'll probably, if you come to one of those uh, classes, you'll you'll be able to meet other people who are already paid demon subscribers. Um I make usually brief remarks about uh, where we are in the testing cycle, and um, then the the class is largely Q and A. So you can come and um, ask me any question you want to ask me. Today on the show, uh, we had a lengthy email from uh, a U.S. Space Force member with lots of different issues to discuss. We had a personal statement from a uh, rabbi, Rabbi Ben. Thank you for submitting your personal statement for the uh, wood chipper. And we have a logical reasoning uh, question. Turns out to be one of these uh, evaluate the argument questions, which is not actually a question type. All right. Want to dive on in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first thing on the agenda today, we have uh, a lengthy email, might even say a wall of text uh, from, we're going to anonymize this somewhat, and I think we'll just call him uh, Staff Sergeant. Okay, Staff Sergeant. Uh, You want to, Staff Sergeant, you want to, you want to read it? All right, so (laughs) this is the email, you're claiming that it was sent to you in blue font? Um, it was sent in blue font. It had lots of, as you can tell, not only does it have, it has bold, it has larger font in some places. It has an actual bigger font. It has all caps in two different sizes of font at the very end. It has bold, it has asterisks, it has hashtags, it has ellipses. It has multiple PSs. Yeah, what are the backs? What are it's the backslashes? I have. I think he's. He was. I think his intent was to divide this up into several different email questions. But I figured sure. we'd just Let's tackle it. it all. Okay, I will try to read it <laughs> in the tone that it was sent. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So this this first. Hey. This has been reading the fonts, <laughs> reading the, the bolds and reading the, the larger font that we yeah. start off with. 77 here. episodes, period. 5,727 minutes, period. Parentheses. Not including every single LSAT Demon Daily episode, period. Speaking of which, where did Ben go? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Okay, so yeah, I have dropped off the Elsa Demon Daily a little bit. Not that Not much. Not that much. I think you're still on yeah. half the episode. We just gave more room for our awesome demon teachers to chime in. Yeah, and there's going to be more of that in to come. I mean, ideally, they're going to be carrying a lot of that load. Um, it's it's a, turns out to be a lot of work to do five episodes a week, and. Uh, so yeah, we're going to let the team do a lot of those episodes. Sometimes it's just totally more appropriate. It'll be a question specifically about admissions or whatever, like about applications themselves. And it's like, well, I'm not the expert on like, why, how about our team who just got admitted yeah. to Harvard? Yeah, they went through the, <laughs> they, they seem probably, <laughs> they just sent in 30 applications. Like, how about them? They, yeah. I should shut up. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's where Ben went. As far as 77 episodes, 5,727 minutes, I think that's about third place yeah. right now of all of the um, submissions. Last episode, we had uh, a couple people that were over 6,000 minutes, but still yep. pretty I have good a 6,200 in my head. I don't know if that is the highest or not. 6,200 is currently on the gold medal okay. podium. Yeah, not too late to be knocked off. Sure. But, um, yeah, 5,727 is... Bronze okay. at best. So this correspondent continues. I did the math for you, semicolon. 5,727 minutes is 95.45 hours or 3.977 days. You may not know me, but I've spent over four days of my life listening to you. Wow, that's weird. Ellipses. <laughs> Okay, quick question. Why doesn't everyone set their goal to 180? It doesn't make sense not to try to be perfect. Mm, okay, I have qualms with that already, but especially for lawyers. Lawyers aren't allowed to get it wrong. I think the sooner someone realizes that, the better. So why not start on the LSAT? Keep crushing it. Oh, there was two spaces after that sentence and one after the next. Yeah. Say thanks to Ben for me too. Also, still working on the outer space intelligence analyst personal statement, period. Okay, so I guess that's our first question. Why don't people set their goal to 180? Because that's dumb. Uh, 174 is 99th percentile. One out of 100 people are going to reach 175. Or 174, yeah. 175. Uh, yeah, 173, I think, um, is actually still 99th percentile. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. It's. I think it's sure. fluctuated on recent tests. Oh, but yeah. point is, it's an elite score that like only exceptional people should... 180 is 99.99th percentile. I mean, that's got to be a 1 out of... It's not a 1 out of 1,000. I think it's more like a 1 yeah. out of 10,000. And so... It's a dumb goal. It's also wholly unnecessary. Um, 170 anything really is the same as a 180, especially 175 or higher is the yeah, same. Yeah, once as you a get above the 75th percentile for every school on the planet, um, your LSAT score yeah, is which, only what Yale is once yep. right. Yale's 176. Uh, I thought it was 175, but maybe it's 176 now with all those high LSAT okay. scores that came in. Yeah, it could be easily 176 these days. Uh, you know, I get the sentiment of like why I agree. Why would you set a lower 
target goal. But I think why would you set a target score goal at all? I mean, we don't, that's just not what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, I think there, when you log on to the demon, it doesn't say what score would you like to achieve? Yeah. That's Khan Academy. I think, <laughs> I think specific goals are not helpful. I do think we have a general view that you should be aiming to get above ideally 165, right? Well, you should get the score that's going to get you a full ride to the school yep. you want to go to. And for most people, that's not anywhere yep. close to 180. In fact, for zero people, is it exactly 180? Like nobody needs 180 yeah. to get a full ride wherever they want to go. I mean, it, if you want to go to Michigan, you know, you, you do not need a 180 to get a full ride to Michigan. Also, I'm not sure that there's any good psychological benefit to shooting for 180. It's kind of like going to the gym no. and saying, hey... I want to get stronger, so I'm going to start lifting weights. And your trainer comes up to you and says, well, you know, uh, Olympians these days are squatting X. <laughs> Let's make that our goal and get going. It's like, huh? It's so, I don't know. It's just not where you need to be today. Today, you need to be stronger than you were yesterday. If you're starting in the 140s, you need to get into the 150s. Yeah. Your goals should be activity oriented, not results oriented yeah. anyway, right? I mean, you you should set a goal of getting yep. better every day. You should set a goal of giving one high quality hour of yep. study every day. Um, arbitrarily setting your goal at 180 is a fantasy that almost nobody will actually reach. And it's just, yeah, that's not going to be helpful to you. That's going to be discouraging. Yep. It's like, you know, it's like saying you're going to be on the Supreme Court or you're going to be president or whatever. It's like, okay, that's a, it, what it, it's yeah. just a fantasy. It's like, yeah, okay. One out of every 10,000 of people who set that goal are actually yeah. going to do it. So if that's your, I wouldn't even call it a goal. If that's your dream, well, you're allowed to fantasize about whatever you want to fantasize about. I just don't know that it's really that helpful to, you know, as far as like what you're going to do every day to actually give that any chance of happening. Uh, why don't you skip this next short sure. parentheses? Cause this is where he's just asking us to anonymize. Uh, we're, we've anonymized as much as possible in this wall of text. We're, we're doing the best we can. All right, go ahead. Yep. He continues. When I first started studying for the LSAT, I thought it was hard. Now the LSAT is fun. Semicolon. I think it is easy and I understand it for the most part. Thanks to you, Ben and your team. I'm currently getting 90% plus accuracy during practice tests and time sections. This puts me in the mid 160s. I'm not stopping until mid 170s with my eyes set on 180. Perfect or don't play. Just kidding. That's what you got to start reading his per his punctuation out loud. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, next paragraph. I can get because that was ellipses. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, I used to use ellipses all the time mm. in emails and casual writing and stuff. And I'm sure I sometimes still slip back into it. That's real lazy. You use a period or use anything else, but stop with the ellipses. Okay, go ahead. I can get over 90% of logical reasoning questions. Correct. Given enough time. Uh, okay. A hundred percent comma. Yeah. Comma hundred percent of games comma, and working on reading comprehension. <laughs> yeah, that sentence ain't parallel, but... Um, no. 
I'm still not getting through the section in LR, however, <laughs> period. To get to 180, I will need to finish the section. Any advice on how to get there? Oh my God. I haven't taken the official LSAT yet, but I'm almost certain I'll receive accommodations when I do. <laughs> okay, well, that, that's going to help a lot, actually. Um, but this is strange because uh, you're actually showing us why a specific and unnecessary goal of 180 is counterproductive because you're looking at what you would have to do to get that 180. Yeah, you would need to... Well, actually, you don't have to complete the sections. You can still get a 180 without completing one or two of the sections. But regardless... Um, it's like getting you focused on the wrong things, right? It's like, oh, an, an Olympian would have to pick up 10 plates. So how, how do I pick up 10 plates? Well, <laughs> you're not there yet. Yeah, you're asking the exact wrong question, which frankly is kind of shocking given someone who has listened to 5,727 minutes of the podcast this year. Hmm we how many of those 5727 minutes were us talking about why you should never try to finish the sections <laughs> all of them <laughs> like it seems like it's the only thing we talk about is that you need to slow the fuck down and get like work on your accuracy yeah and and this is just that typical student like it's no different from anybody else um you know you're in you're wherever you are he says he's in the mid 160s Okay, well, you need to get to the high 160s before you can get to the low 170s before you can get to the mid 170s before you can get to your 180. Yeah. <laughs> and you're asking the exact wrong question, which is, you know, give me tips for how to finish. No, that's not what we do. Yeah, and you're you're getting 90% plus accuracy. We'll work on getting 100% accuracy on the ones you're doing and you will find yourself getting better and naturally getting to more questions which we never stop saying people think that our advice is going to change for them specifically oh you're in a special situation uh yes <laughs> yeah everybody thinks that they're special that's true yeah no you're not you're just you're another lsat student we and we are grateful that you're here but it would you know, be, it would, it would be in to your benefit to follow the advice that we have already given you. Okay. Um, I guess this next question he wants to leave off the podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. P.S. All right. This is our first P.S. I've used semicolons and M dashes in this email, so Ben can tell me if I'm using them wrong. Hoping my privileges are not revoked. Fing <laughs> Hashtag fingers crossed. What? Okay. I actually don't remember the M dash, but... Um... No, yeah, he used them incorrectly, yep. of course. <laughs> he, he, they're not even M dashes, and they have spaces around them. Yeah. So fucking stop it like everyone's privileges are revoked for all of these things and i don't it's just i don't understand why people think that they know how to do it when they clearly don't well actually what's what's odd about this question is that you're focusing on your semicolons and your m dashes but there's so much more in this email that's 
<laughs> distracting and wrong and like sentences that just kind of run on and I don't know. I I wouldn't worry about those things. Um, I would just worry worry about shorter, clearer sentences and just not as many of them. This is a lot of unnecessary information. Well, this is clearly just like he got to the end and he did the chef's kiss, like perfect send, like without <laughs> editing it, you know? Yeah. And it became, it, it became unreadable. Um, I mean, I actually, I, I made a re reading error when I first read it because I fired back an email. Well, this is in response to his um, PSS. Okay. So we're still on his PS, yep. which is I've used semicolons and M dashes. And yeah, we're both telling you that you should not do that. And a bunch of which other we've things. said a thousand times. And ellipses. Everybody's banned from ellipses from now on too. Well, ellipses are terrible. That's not even like proper writing. I yeah. mean, that, you trail off into nothing. Like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's a it's an email, but y'all are trying to be lawyers, so like, why not write professionally um, in this context? Okay, so the <laughs> yeah, the end of this PS says shit. I wrote this email and had another question. Okay. PSS. I have officiated high school sports for over a decade. I officiated basketball, baseball, softball, and volleyball. That was a clear sentence, by the way. Short, too. Yeah, thank you. Now I only officiate basketball. I feel like this is analogous to inter interpreting the law and what judges... <laughs> Wait. What? Sorry. I feel like this is analogous to interpreting the law and what judges do. Okay. Absolutely fucking not. Do you know what it's analogous to? It's analogous to what cops do. Yeah. Yeah. Cops. You're on the force. basketball court. You're blowing the whistle in a fucking tenth of a second. Yep. You're not sitting there writing, researching, contemplating. <laughs> this has nothing to do with that. So... And lest you think I don't know anything about sports officiating, my dad was both a football and basketball official, and he is right now a golf official. And, I, you know, he, I love my dad, and he, but he also thinks that he is, like, super judicious. And the truth is, he's, he's not. I, I remember talking with him about my 1L classes, and he, <laughs> I had a contracts class, and I was, like, showing him an example of what one of the, one of the uh, fact patterns was for the, for a brief or for an exam question or something like that. I was showing him the fact pattern so that I could explain to him that the answer was, you know, it's, it's unclear, it depends on this and this and this and this and this, and here's what the law says, and here's how that would apply, and it's this whole, like, complicated analysis, right? And I'll never forget it, because my dad, you know, the sports official guy, he, he was like, he, he knew the answer to the question. Mm. He just knew it. And he was fucking insistent. He was just like, nope, you signed a contract, so you have to, you have to do what the contract says. And it's like, uh, but do you remember when you signed the contract, <laughs> there was a gun at his head? <laughs> it's like, just anything. Yeah. Just any millions of other things. I was like, and I, 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 I was like have, trying to have an earnest conversation with him. Yeah about what it's like to be a law student and what it's like to potentially be a lawyer someday. Yeah. And, I, and he, he was just like, he didn't even want to hear it because he already knew that the answer to the question was, you know, you have to put the roof on the house that you said you were going to put the roof on or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, sorry, but that's not even part of the answer. Like that's not even one tenth. That's not, it's just completely not what is done here. Well, you know what your, what your dad is doing there and what so many people do. And uh, we do it in politics. We do it all the time. It's like the actual nuance is too hard to deal with. So we zero in on one fact, right? Yeah. 
And then right. we we put all our eggs in that basket, not to mesh a bunch of yeah. analogies, but you know, people do it with uh, voting all the time too. They're like, oh, this person is uh, anti-abortion. So that's all that matters in my life. And that's yeah. what I'm going to vote for. No, that's like, <laughs> seems like what 90% of the population is doing these days. Yeah. It's just whatever like their issue is. One fact. And that's the, that's the answer. Yeah. And yeah, life is, and certainly legal matters are vastly more complicated than that. Um, there, there are no slam dunks, right? No. <laughs> it's like, if you're a decent lawyer at all, you're like, well, I think we have a good case here. <laughs> well, the other side's going to raise two or three points that like undercut that. And now you're not prepared at all to respond to them because you're like, well, well, but he signed the contract. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that ship has sailed. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, this correspondent continues. I read the rule book, apply the rules to dynamic events during the game and calm, irate coaches when they act asterisks clearly, which is in bold, bold. asterisks don't know the rules. <laughs> okay. Sometimes he's officiating high school basketball <laughs> with some redneck high school basketball coaches who are probably like, you know, the physical education teacher or yeah. nothing wrong with physical education teachers. I just, I literally grew up going to these games with my dad as the referee yeah. and I know exactly what he's doing, but it's, you're, you're trying, you're arguing with a, a someone who can only see one side. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, the coach is just yelling at you because they think it helps their team's chances of winning. Sure. They're not there to like learn anything or like, Oh, you're educating them on the rules. No, you're not. They don't give a fuck. They just want to yell at you because it might fire up their team or whatever. Mm. But this, the fact that he's seeing himself, you know, um, as, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody like a, he says he sees himself as a Supreme court justice here, like thoughtfully contemplating the basketball rule book, which is probably like 10 pages, <laughs> you know? And he's <laughs> okay. It's a hundred pages. Might be Whatever. longer than the constitution, but Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but the Constitution comes along with like eight constitutional law books yeah, yeah. <laughs> that come after it, and the basketball rule book might have some decisions or something. But it, it's not. Come on, dude. All right, go ahead. He continues. Sorry. That's all right. Sometimes being a good official requires an understanding of the intent of the rule instead of the letter of the rule. Do you think this is male? Wait, what? I... The sentence says, I'll read it. Okay. It says, do you think this is male a personal statement over the Space Force? This is a better? I don't understand. It's clearly a typo and an autocorrect. Yeah. And he did not reread his shit before he sent it to us. Um, he's asking, should he write about being an official for high school sports instead of yeah. writing about being in the Space, Space Force? Force. Um, I'm hesitant because I don't want it to seem like I'm naive comparing apples to oranges. Also, I'm moderately confident I will be one of the first applicants with Space Force experience since it's a new branch. The HLS and YLS's admission deans, okay, so referring to Harvard and Yale's admission deans, have said they want a class with each service branch represented. I'm their space four guy. Thoughts? Um, 
that's where I then misread his email, right? Because it's this big wall of text. Yep. And I responded like, hey, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I think we've missed. I, I never saw that because he had teased. Remember on a previous episode, mm. he had teased that he was going to write it. Or no, maybe it was in class or it was in, must have been in class. Okay. He teased that he was going to submit the, the, you know, can't wait, just wait till you read my Space Force personal statement. And um, I said, you know, I said, great. Yeah, I'm excited to read that. And so when this email came in two months later, I was like, oh, we, oh, sorry, we must have missed your Space Force. Sorry, I, we, it didn't come in. Here's how you submit it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then he responded and said, oh, yeah, no, I haven't been working on that yet because I've been working on the LSAT. Okay. I've been focusing on the LSAT. <laughs> but it's like, well, then why are you asking us all these questions about what you should write your personal statement about? We appreciate your questions. It's just, like, I don't know. I don't, Sometimes I don't people wanna... make it hard for us to help them. I don't know what you do at Space Force, but I, I imagine if it's hopefully like any other branch of the military, you have some serious responsibilities and hopefully you've executed them well. And I would imagine that's more interesting than officiating sports. So write about your job, not your hobby. Yeah. High school sports officials get paid, you know, like you get paid $40 a game or whatever. It's not, it's not a job. It's a, you're doing it because you like doing it. You get some exercise, you get to yell at, you know, you get to have stupid people yell at you. You enjoy running around with the kids on the basketball court. That's great. That's all great. I, I respect that decision to do that, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe I know too much about it, but I, I just can't imagine like you going out of your way to stretch this hobby into, you know, now you're, um, justice Kennedy writing the deciding opinion Mm. for the majority is just like, it's going to be obnoxious if that's what you try to write about. Yep. So So don't do that. (laughs) Don't. Yeah. Right. 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 About your actual job, which is if it's at the space force, then great. Okay. He says, sorry for the narrative. It's a slow day at work. All right. Next paragraph. Fuck everything. Ellipses. I'm sending this stupid email after this. I promise. Okay, period. Hopefully this isn't a painful email to read, but all caps, no, all caps, italics, burning question, half ellipses, two periods, (laughs) all caps, italics, and larger font, and bold, how did you and Ben meet Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, ben and I met, I told this story at Ben's wedding recently. Yep. Uh, ben and I met when he emailed me because he wanted to purchase some of my books. Uh, he, he emailed me complimenting me on my books and then immediately told me three things that were wrong with them. Did you read that uh, whole email? At the wedding? I did. You read the things I said were wrong. <laughs> I, I just remember I laughing. <laughs> I think I paraphrased them. I looked over but, your uh, shoulder yeah. and they looked kind of long. I was like, geez, that's kind of rude. But 
Yeah, they were long. I read just like the header of each one of them. So that's how I met Ben. Was yeah. he he complicated me with uh... complicated? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was uh, flattering that he wanted to. Uh, it was flattering that he wanted to uh, buy my books to use in his classes, and so that's how we started talking. And then it was literally five days after that that we had decided to start the Thinking LSAT podcast. That's crazy, man. And we did that just like on a lark. It was like, oh, let's give this a shot. And sure enough, it, you know, just like sort of took off. And we're, what are we on today? 370, no, 329. 329, yep. Yeah, amazing. Um, so anyway, that's how we met. Okay. Uh, take away from all of this. <laughs> oh, but look at his signature. We got to look at his signature first. Because it now it's not blue anymore. Now it goes into the, it, it's not black either. It's like gray. Dark font. gray, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it says respectfully. It, this is a to, it's a totally different font. It's not even the same. It's not the no, same. No, well, there's, there's, yeah, the respectfully. It's a serif font. Yeah. He he wrote in a serif font, and then the signature is a sans serif font. If you're wondering what that is, by the way, a serif font has the little like ends on each letter. A sans serif means no serif, so it's like Arial. It just there's no little wisps at the end the little of, decorations on yeah, every letter yeah so that's gone now and so and then he uses a serif font for his address but his his name his name is still in the sans serif font and has different but it's sizes. also three different no sizes. it gets bigger yeah it, his name gets bigger as the signature goes on it's like first name middle initial last name so I would suggest toning that down. It's also italicized. It's also italicized. It's totally unprofessional. And then it says your name again after that anyway. Yeah, and the first letter title. of each word is in your name is bold, and the rest of the letters are not bold. It's too much. Well, it's like some. It, it's like you have an AOL account. I mean, it's it's like a. <laughs> it's something that you would have done in the. On a um on a Commodore 64 because it's cool to like play around with the different fonts and stuff. Mm -hmm. But these days nobody is amused uh, by that. Oh, it also has the uh, logo of um, the, uh, I guess that's a space force logo. Hey, by the way, we're redoing the thinking LSAT.com website. Cool. <laughs> and uh, we were just having this conversation, not today, but yet, like two days ago. No, what was it? Anyways, whatever. We had three fonts, three different fonts for the entire <laughs> website. And it was oh. like, we need to cut one of these. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right? And that was for this the entire has... website. <laughs> he has probably 10 fonts for one email. Yeah. Okay. It's extra. It's, um, yeah, you, you need to, I would, I would, Ben, I think agrees. I would strongly uh, consider editing yourself and you got to tone down all of the fancy bullshit. Yep. It doesn't change the quality of the words. I hope you it, knew it, it what you were it... getting into when you sent this email after four days of straight listening to us, but <laughs> as much as he's listened to us, he must know what he was going to get. Yeah. And it's, it's another one of these where it's like possibly trolling. I don't, I'm not quite sure. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, good luck. Um, would love to, if you're brave enough to submit, would still love to read the uh, Space Force statement. Yep. 
Thanks for your support. Glad glad the demon's working for you. Sorry for busting balls. All right, ready for uh, we have the best personal statement that was submitted in the last couple of weeks uh, is from Rabbi Ben. Hmm. Um, I'll I'll read it. Okay. Okay. Right off the bat, I am a rabbi and a PhD in Jewish philosophy. Capitalized there on philosophy. I was thinking the same thing. I don't think you need that. Not the P. You obviously Jewish, but yeah. not philosophy. Yeah. I'm a rabbi and a PhD in Jewish philosophy, comma, with a thorough knowledge of the Jewish ethical, philosophical, and legal systems, two spaces. I don't love that, at least that last clause in the first sentence. It's purely right. like an assertion that I just have to either believe or reject. You're just, I have thorough knowledge. It's like... I, well, I have to believe you. And also, I don't know, actually... You just said that you're a PhD in Jewish philosophy. Yeah. That's a fact. Like, you can show us documentation of that fact. As soon as you say you're a PhD in Jewish philosophy, I think we would presume that you have a knowledge of Jewish ethical, philosophical, and probably legal systems. That's not... You're not telling us anything that you didn't already tell us, and you're just burying, you know, if you want PhD in Jewish philosophy to be your primary focus, like that's, you know, if you want to know about me, I'm a PhD in Jewish philosophy. Yep. Now you're burying if that's, that. Yeah. But instead you bury it with this conclusion where, yeah, a thorough knowledge of these things. And it's like, well, really, how thorough can it be? Yep. Now I'm questioning that. And by the way, here is a philosophical question for you. The more you know about a subject, <laughs> mm. isn't it common for people to realize also at the same time how little they know? Yeah, right. That If that line would have said, I I learn more about the about these rich areas every day or something like that yeah i i find that to be a lot more compelling of a message than i have a thorough knowledge so you're like declaring you already know everything it seems like the more you know about jewish ethical philosophical and legal systems the more you realize you don't know and the more you realize that there is so much nuance and maybe conflicting views out there and all that stuff like i learn new stuff about the lsat all the time yeah like every class i something comes up, I see a little different nuance in a question, a, a student brings up, a, asks a question, you know, a student's not understanding, and I can't understand why they're not understanding. And then we work it out. And then I'm like, Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. So this maybe is a little bit better way of thinking about it. Or mm -hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm learning all the time about like a much narrower area, the LSAT isn't nearly as broad as Jewish philosophy. Yeah. Right. So this is a very narrow area. And I've been doing it now for 15 years and I still learn new shit all the time. So, okay. Anyway, hmm. um, you know, phone rings and we get interrupted. Yeah. Okay. I would say you're a religious person with a PhD. Yeah. And we, yeah. I mean, and, and if like, if PhD is the thing you really want to hang your hat on, then, you know, that's the, that's the fact we've learned. You're an academic. Is, okay. Maybe you can cut Yeah. It. You're an academic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a bad fact nope. to lead with. Nope. Okay. Oh, my dissertation. And then it's in quotation marks here. Mm -hmm. 
which I'm not sure about the style, like, um, whatever, it's a fine point, but like, how should you reference your own publications? Do you, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, the caps are, or it, it also could possibly need an underline or italics, um, italics might be or italics, preferred. probably italics, yeah. right? Instead of quotation marks. Maybe it's an article. I don't know it, but I often question, uh, just stepping back, maybe this is helpful here, but I often question the need for including the title. Right. It's often, the titles are often long. They're often kind of well, hard to follow. I, I'd much rather hear about your dissertation, what you said. Allow me to proceed yeah. because here's the title, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like how much is the typical person who is not a PhD in Jewish philosophy going to get out of this title? Yep. Here's the title. My dissertation, comma, Messianism revelation and the book colon i'm not i'm gonna botch all the pronunciations here but rebbe naman of breslov and the torah of atik <laughs> and then the sentence continues but like yeah you're not getting any value out of quoting the name of your dissertation there because i got no fucking idea what that no. is even about nope okay it has something I, I to do with the messiah but then I'm like, but in what way? I don't know. So yeah, and then I'm, some so books like, that I've oh, never heard of. Yeah, you're really religious, and you're really into religious books, or something, right? It's like I, I don't know. I have no idea what the what you're writing about. I, I don't. I, so I and yeah, I think omit the title would probably be a good edit here. Yep. Uh, anyway, that dissertation. So like, take out the title. My dissertation did a genre analysis of Rebbe Naaman. So you're going to say the guy's name again anyway. Yeah. So what's the point of naming it in the title? Yep. My dissertation did a genre analysis, genre analysis of Rebbe Naaman of Breslov's magnum opus parentheses Likude Moharan end parentheses period. I honestly hate all of this because I just don't understand. I don't, you're, you're firing so many novel words at me. Yeah. Like what? You did a genre analysis. I understand those words. Yep. But of someone from somewhere writing about it's you know and you even put the title of his book, I don't care. What's that have to do with you? Yeah. I'd love to Okay. Hear more. I want I I think you can just cut all uh, just cut all that, which is, that's the thing is that you can make these pieces shine by just getting rid of shit. Like yeah. just literally just cut out parts, right? Yep. The best editor that I ever had in journalism school, she would use a red pen and she would mark up our printed assignments. And the best edits that she ever would give, and it was a miracle that she was able to do it, all she would put is a, a square bracket to like a square open bracket and then a square close bracket hmm. and that meant omit yep and she would do that on your entire piece where she would write very few words it would just be omit stop <laughs> it would just and like you would omit it all and it would have the exact same meaning except for just sound way way better yep so like i don't know man that the set that whole second sentence kind of seems like i just Huh? Well, and you've mentioned this before too. I think you got it from Stephen King. But what is it? Is it kill your 
babies or something. I don't oh, know. Yeah. What is it, what yeah. is the phrase? I, that sounds horrible, but what I just said. Something No, that that is it's something like that. Yeah. yeah, kill your babies. It's just like I know that you birthed that sentence. And you you probably love the all the words you put there and the You worked hard on it. Yep. It makes perfect sense to you. Yep. But you need to kill that baby because there's no one else who's reading this is going to have any idea what you're talking about. Nope. I mean, maybe if you're applying to like a Jewish law, are there Jewish law schools? Like super. There's got to on... be one out there at least, right? And there are, of course there are, but yeah. I, I'm not familiar with them really. And if that's what this is for, then okay, maybe it's a different game, but um, most law schools are secular and nobody's going to have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I argued that the work is best understood not as a philosophical or theological work, but in terms of the intended transformative power of the text on the reader and on the world. Sorry. I, cut it. Yeah, cut it. I, I You have to cut it. I, I was quiet there for a half second because it's also not parallel. Like, I argued that the work is best understood not as something... But as something oh, it needs else, to say but as yeah, and so yeah. that like that alone, like is like there's things in your writing. You also left a comma after your title. Uh, it just it slows the reader down. It's like ah, what like what yeah. are you trying to say? Yeah, shorten your sentences, but that whole sentence needs to be cut because this is like he's relaying his argument about a book that we don't know anything about we have no knowledge and i don't care about it yeah why would i care about it i'm not i'm in, i'm wondering if you're going to kick ass in my law school and so far you're not you're not showing me that you're going to kick ass in my law school because you're basically rambling about something that's totally irrelevant to me yeah you know like the fact that you made an argument so like i guess you're wanting to you're 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 like, so it's, it's not just your PhD now, but it's your dissertation yep. and you're really wanting to talk about your dissertation, but I don't know that your dissertation is the best thing that you could be talking about here, especially because it's incomprehensible to the reader. Yep. You know, it's like, I'm walking away from this, like, oh man, I've been going around thinking that Rebbe Naaman's Liquide Moron is best understood as a philosophical or theological work. But as it turns out, it's actually, you know, not one reader is going to have that response where they're like, oh, that's a valuable bit of information. Okay, second paragraph. Over my 15 years as a rabbi, I have discovered a particular skill in Jewish law, parentheses, halacha. Okay. You've discovered a particular skill? Like, you're saying you have this skill? Again, that's just a conclusion that I now have to either accept or reject. Yeah, and it's another word that we don't understand, which doesn't help anything. This And, and this uh, whole statement is just, like, stuffed with these, you know, Jewish words, um... Or is it is it Yiddish? Forgive my ignorance. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But all I know is it's a whole bunch of words that I don't know what they are. Yep. So um, if you're applying, again, this goes back to, if you're applying to a Jewish law school, maybe this would have a more receptive audience. But I think anywhere else it's going to be rough. For the past seven years, I have been a faculty member of the ALEPH ordination program. Okay, don't know what that is. 
that's an acronym or it's not isn't it yes it's an acronym i mean maybe they say it as an initialism sorry it's an initialism yeah yeah it's an initialism okay well they could say aleph uh we have no idea aleph okay it's a bunch of letters and we have no idea what they stand for (laughs) so um yeah So for the past seven years, I have been a faculty member of this ordination program. I teach rabbinical students different theoretical approaches to Jewish law and help them develop their own Jewish legal voice, advocating effectively for positions they believe in based on sources from the Jewish tradition. What? (laughs) I am so lost. I don't know... Advocating effectively for positions they believe in, in class, in their religious communities, at church. In the world, like as political activists. Okay. If that's the case, do you have an example of someone who's done this? Even then, it's about someone else. I want to know about you. Yeah. I teach students to, quote, turn it over and turn it over. End quote. Comma. To see multiple aspects of every issue and to understand how they can support different legal positions through their interpretation of key texts. Okay, so he's a professor. He teaches people whatever. I don't like that quote very much because I don't know if you're quoting yourself, which would be obnoxious, or you're quoting some other like wisdom that I'm not familiar with. I think you just kill the quotation marks around turn it over and turn it over. But you know, the, the, the thing he's trying to relay is he, he teaches people to how to think in a Jewish law context. My students have expressed appreciation in particular for my rigorous teaching colon. I train my students to be careful and creative interpreters of the Jewish legal tradition. I'm still confused as to what context his students are operating in. So they can support different legal positions through their interpretations of their interpretation of key texts. Who's going to be persuaded by those key texts except for people who believe in them? Well, that's the context in which he's operating. I mean, he he's a he's a PhD, he's a professor in Jewish law, which is a religious thing. Like it doesn't it's not like the law. It's Jewish law. So it's within the I imagine it's like within the So this is like Jewish. this is like religious debate between fellow practitioners. Yeah, I think the law is this. I think we should do whatever we are supposed yeah. to do. Okay. Sounds to me like he's, yeah, he's training people to go out and make these arguments within some kind of like a Jewish temple court system, I guess. Okay. I think you could explain all this stuff to people who don't know, like most of your readers aren't going to have any idea what you're talking about here. So I, I don't know. It seems like you need to, I think it's exactly what you were talking about, Ben. He's such an expert in this area that or it's actually not what you were talking about it's what i thought you were going to talk about what i thought you were going to talk about is that we as experts frequently get blinded to the fact that nobody else has any of the background knowledge that we have Mm. 
And I think that's what's happening here is that he he's just assuming that everybody knows kind of the context. Like he, he doesn't realize how ignorant the most readers are going to be of this world. Yep. And so he's not expl- he's not giving enough details about what's actually happening here mm-hmm. for us to really know what's going on. Yep. Much of my teaching focuses on contemporary issues such as environmentalism, ethical consumption, and the like. Uh. <laughs> bringing traditional legal texts to bear on these topics in relevant and compelling ways. Traditional legal texts. I assume he means traditional Jewish legal texts? I guess so. Because he's not a law professor. He's applying to law school. I mean, he's a Jewish law professor, so that must be what he means. Sorry, you were going to be puzzled about something. Well, I don't love the and the like. It's like super conversational. Oh, I do this, this, and the like. Like, huh? Uh, I don't know what else. (laughs) Well, you already said such as. Yeah. And then, again, this I hate this sentence because it's a conclusion. I I, I agree. I, I, I bring, you know, t- these traditional legal texts to bear on these topics in, and this is where you get conclusatory, relevant yep. and compelling ways. Okay, you're telling me that they're relevant. You're telling me that they're compelling. I just have to sit here and nod my head and believe you. But like, oh, wow, yeah. you must, it's so great that you're on point and you're compelling. Yeah. In addition, I find and teach ways the Jewish tradition has brought humanity, compassion, and the quest for peace into the law. The the Jewish law or just law, period? Unclear. Okay. That does make it sound, though, like we misinterpreted above, because there it sounds like he's it's separate like he's this is the jewish tradition and they have been fighting for these compassionate changes to the laws of the united states or your state or whatever Hmm. i don't know okay two years ago i founded cole halev a 501c3 nonprofit. I serve, I, I like that sentence because it's just factual and without any of those grand conclusions. Nope. In it. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like I'm like doubting this. I'm like, okay, you did but that. But it's a very powerful fact. Yep. It's like I started a 501c3. Okay, okay, great. I serve as the president and executive director and oversee all administration. As part of my work with Cole Halev, I run the Jewish Virtual Academy, a virtual school focusing largely on Jewish ethics. Couple things you don't need to capitalize president and executive director. Right. You also have done this a couple times. You said I serve as the president and executive director, and, and then you do comma, and then you say and oversee all administration. That's I don't know what it's called. I don't know if it's a comma splice or whatever. But you're you're you have an independent clause and then you have a dependent clause. You don't want to separate them with a comma. You need to get rid of that comma. Or you add I. Or you add I um, after it and make it independent so that you can separate those two clauses with a comma. I think Abigail finally taught me the rule, which is um, if you're going to have a comma, then the, the next thing needs to have its own uh, subject. Yep, exactly. Yeah, unless it's a list. Um, and so, but that's, we don't right, have unless a list. That's a different thing. Yep. The, this thing that we're talking about here, you don't, it, otherwise, just omit the comma. Yep. Uh, okay, two paragraphs left in one of my classes quote torah and today 
I don't, I don't know about the quotations and the capitals. I, I think, I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Yep. Um, probably just caps there. Yeah. I teach students to apply texts from the Jewish legal tradition to contemporary situations, such as socially responsible investing, gun control, and immigration. In the unit on gun control, for example, we are exploring different Talmudic ru uh, rulings on self-defense and looking in fine detail at specific details. Hmm, that's clunky writing there. Yeah. Just, you don't need to say detail twice like that. Um, you could probably say, and looking in fine detail at specifics, such as how certain... Oh, such as how certain one has to be that the person is actually intending to kill. While these texts have obvious implications for contemporary events, the answer is less central than the process. And here, this bumped me a lot. When I read it the first time, mm. this bumped me a lot. Okay. And, and I think I'm, I, I actually, I'm, maybe it's just my bad. I, he goes, I am teaching middle school students. And I was like, whoa, what? Middle school students? Oh, this whole time, I thought you were a college professor. Exactly. Okay, so it's not just me. It's yep. you too. Yep. So what he's talking about there is his nonprofit where he teaches middle school students. Okay, that's fair. But we forgot about his nonprofit because we see him as this professor, yeah. like a PhD professor teaching these rabbinical students. And all this stuff, when you're talking about like applying Jewish text from Jewish legal tradition to contemporary situations like socially responsible investing and gun control and immigration, then all of a sudden it's like a big letdown to hear middle school students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like, Oh, I thought you were doing this at a much higher level than what, like not that, not that there's anything wrong with teaching middle, middle school students, but I was seeing you as like this kind of like a law professor. And now I'm seeing you as like a grade school teacher yeah. or middle school teacher. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that did kind of, anyway, I'm teaching them, the middle school students to approach questions systematically, comma, to break them down into specific ethical questions, comma, and to construct a shita, parentheses, legal theory to base their opinion on. There should probably be shitas and opinions, uh, plural, right? Because mm -hmm. it was students, it was ethical questions. S yeah, questions, yep. I think that last bit of that list should be Plural. pluralized yep. in order to be parallel. I also teach them to verbalize their own ethical intuitions and understand the ethical intuitions of the texts we study. So there's a missing that right here. So that they can make a reasoned decision. In other words, I'm teaching them to be self-reflective ethical thinkers. Conclusion. Too much of this is conclusatory. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cut half of this and put in more facts. Yep. Um, you know, it, it's also like, it's, it's a very, it's all like real high, it's all real lofty and, and not enough like concrete details yeah like like what can we have an example or can we like can you talk about a situation that actually happened in your classroom or it there's it's weirdly like not human i guess yep um 
You agree? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Look, we're talking about middle school students, right? And supposedly we're covering everything from responsible investing, gun control, and immigration to who knows what, because those are just some examples. And it's like, uh, you could talk for <laughs> months on any one of these topics. And now I just feel like you're kind of trying to throw everything <laughs> in and it makes me feel like nothing's there. I'm not saying nothing's there. I'm just saying when people do this, my sense is uh, there's actually nothing to talk about. And so you just go super high level and keep it vague. Yeah, it's like a resume that has, you know, three pages and it's just bullets after bullets after bullets after bullets. And it's like becomes it's like too much uh, where it's like you don't even get anything out of it. Mm -hmm. Um. Last paragraph. I have come to perceive that as a rabbi, I have been standing on the sideline of history. Okay, so now this I put, this I hate. This is a direct violation of one of our commandments um, that we published a while back about things to do and not do in your personal statement. But, you know, shitting on your own job is just not something that needs to be in your personal statement for law school. Yeah. Like... I want you to be like a badass. I, I want I want I want to be like, oh man, this guy's like totally killing it as a rabbi and you know wants to bless us with his presence at our law school. We we should admit him. Mm -hmm. And instead you're like, well, actually, I'm not happy being a rabbi because I'm standing on the sideline of history. Yep. Which is like wah wah, just this like Well you're bummer. shitting on your profession. You're also shitting on yourself. Exactly. I'm, I haven't done anything. No. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about shitting on the broader thing of like you just insulted all rabbis. Yeah. Like you just told all rabbis that they're standing on the sideline of history, but you the part that that I care about more is you insulted your own resume. Yep. Like you just now. Oh, okay. So maybe it's not that big of a deal that he's a rabbi and does all this work. Yep. I am pursuing a legal career as a way not just to teach a vision of a caring society because that's what you do now, I guess, but to advocate for and implement such a vision. Which sounds naive, no offense, but so many people say that they're applying to law school to change the world, and it's like, well, what do I, as an admissions officer, think you're actually going to do? You're going to come here, you're going to go work for a law firm, and no one's ever going to know you existed. No offense, but that's... <laughs> The story no for 99.9% .9 of the world is we do our thing and no one knows. Yeah, there, there, are, there are mountains of applications that think that they're going to implement a vision of society. Everybody thinks they're going to implement a vision of society. Yeah. And it's just not what lawyers do. <laughs> like, who's going to pay you to implement this vision? Even think about like presidents of the United States. How much of their vision gets actually adopted by the United States in the world? Sometimes it does for a season and then it gets washed away by the next. Oh, no matter how much you hate or love Obama, what did he actually accomplish? No matter how much you hate or love Trump, how much did he actually accomplish? Yeah. And that's the president of the goddamn United States. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 
it's this it is it's this uh for me this statement is too lofty it's just like head in the clouds and not enough like i'm not getting any kind of a picture of what you will actually do as a lawyer lawyers aren't teachers lawyers have a client that they want to go win a case for yep um or they work on deals or they you know (laughs) a lot of stuff that lawyers do but implementing a vision of society is a unlikely one. Yep. Being a lawyer is for me, which you're not qualified to, you're not qualified to say whatever you're about to say because you've never been a lawyer. (laughs) Right. It's your perception of what a lawyer does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, no, and you can have, sure, you have a perception, but you're, you don't have any authority to say what lawyers do, or at least you haven't conveyed any ability. You haven't conveyed any, like, why should I believe you? Yeah. With your opinion of what a lawyer would do. But anyway, being a lawyer is for me an opportunity to put into practice the biblical prophet Micah's injunction, colon, quotation mark, do justice love goodness and walk humbly with your God end quote parentheses Micah six, eight. I think that's the first biblical quote that we've ever seen in a personal statement. It's the first one that we've ever seen. No, I bet we have. I had this feeling that sometime in the last three years, we've seen (laughs) someone drop something. That's true. Our memories are definitely faulty. Um, It's the first one that I recall. Uh, that might um, that might land on some some desk of some Jewish law school <laughs> and work well. I can't see it working well at most law schools. Like I really don't want to hear like your well, there are your thoughts on the the Bible. That's just like a lightning rod. There are religious people at every school, uh, and certainly you might get a reader who's like, "Oh wow, you know, this is a man of God. We 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 like that." That's certainly possible, but I would also think that you're going to have many readers who are going to respond exactly opposite, depending on where you're applying. But I mean, there are plenty of secular folks. Or just you don't even have to be atheists. You can just be like, "I'm not interested in religion, and why are you shoving this in my face?" You could be agnostic, you could be religious, but not want, you You, you could be a Protestant, you could be a Catholic, you could be a whatever, whatever, and you could just be like, huh? Quoting scripture at me. I mean, it, it's, a, you know, it's hey, justice and goodness and humility. Those are all good things. Don't get us wrong. Um... I don't know. I to me, I guess the 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 like naivety. The problem is well, I mean, is the biggest let's just problem. even talk about the merits of the claim, right? Do justice, love goodness, and walk humbly with your God. Um, what does it mean to do justice? Like that itself is just vague, and it's it's the very reason that we have a lot of problems in the world today is because different definitions of justice leave different lead different cultural groups to fight with each other. It's yeah. Well, there, there was an earlier thing, Ben. So yeah. um, earlier on, he said specifically, I almost made a comment of it, a comment on it. He said, I teach students to turn it over and over to see multiple aspects, which is, sounds good. Then he goes, and to understand how they can support different legal positions through their interpretation 
of key texts. Wait, that's not actually the quote. It's similar. But there's another one that was even more... Oh, there it is. It was right before that. I teach rabbinical students how to blah, 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 and advocate effectively for positions they believe in based on sources from the Jewish tradition. My objection to that is, wait, so you made up your mind first and then you went looking for justification in the text? Because that's what that sounds like. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that, uh, I guess that's what lawyers do. <laughs> like, you know, because they, it's not like they're like, want their client to get convicted or whatever. So they're going to, they're going to, they're going to develop a theory that the client is not guilty. And then they're going to go try to find evidence that supports that claim. But it doesn't seem academic to me, I guess, is my real objection. Like, it doesn't sound like science. It sounds like, uh. You know, arrive at your conclusion first and then go cherry. Well, I think that's 100 percent what law school is. Right? We're conclusion. teaching you how to argue for po- your position, whatever position that might be. And how are we going to do that? We're going to show you how there's multiple sides to an issue. But you don't get to pick the, the side. <laughs> that's the thing is that you you have to be able yeah, to make exactly. that argument from both sides. And, and we're training you to argue, you know, become an effective advocate, <laughs> which means, um yeah, I think law school openly admits there's not necessarily even a right or wrong answer in a lot of cases. But something about, like, the problem with religion is there's this sense of moral superiority combined with, like, now these tactics to argue for what you view is, I don't know, it's just... Deciding that gays are bad and then going and looking in the Bible and finding something that doesn't even say that gays are bad, but it just like they you're gonna shoehorn in yeah. your or, religious or, yeah. conclusion I mean, that you can have a hundred homosexuality is against the Bible. It's just like <laughs> abortion or any other thing, yeah. I don't know. Um <laughs> it's just a lightning <laughs> religion is just a lightning rod. And, and so I don't know. It is a lightning rod. Yeah, we're going to definitely get hate mail. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about it. People Just are like, oh, it, it sounds just like what you're saying. Is, we're trying to be as blah, blah, blah. fair as we can. And, and it's like, okay, well, all right. I'm saying is I guess you just proved my point. So I would not write about this. I don't know where you're applying to law school, though. <laughs> okay. It sounds like that was Ben's final thoughts. <laughs> um, my final thought would be you're a teacher and you're an administrator and I would like to know more about the practical and a rabbi. And I would like to know more, um, like I would like to have finer detail of other, like your students and one issue, not a list of a million different issues, you know, where you also say, and the like, you know, such as blah, 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 and the like. It's like, okay, well, can we just focus on one of them so that we can, because, you know, this is from Rabbi Ben, but I, I, I sometimes personal statements, I walk away from them going, well, but where is, where is Rabbi yeah. Ben in this? It's a lot of grandiose conclusions about um, Jewish philosophy or, or, or like, 
you're making a lot of conclusions about the things that you teach your students to do, but I'm not actually seeing you teach a student to do those things. Yeah, totally. Too high level. If that makes sense. Too high level. Uh, that that is, yeah, that that would be my final words. All right, all we have left is a uh, logical okay. reasoning question. Uh, this is from test 73, section two. It's question number 25. I wonder if we're running out of these questions mm. that we can talk about on the show. Yeah, We've been at it for a while. Um, okay, I'll read and I'm not going to do any analysis. Only Ben. Student says, before completing my research paper, I want to find the book from which I copied a passage to quote in the okay. paper. You're about to finish. This person is writing a research paper. They're not done. And apparently they copied a passage from some book and they want to figure out what that book was. They forgot what book it was. Got it. <laughs> yeah. They, they, better, they, want to they better go find it, right? Yeah. Okay. Without the book... Without the book, I will be unable to write an accurate citation. Okay. That's great. I'm glad you paused there. Um, but I think I understand it. You need that book to correctly cite it. And without an accurate citation, I will be unable to include the quotation. Mm, okay. So you need the book to cite it, and you need the citation to include the quote. So right now, I'm putting this all together. If you don't get that book... You're not going to be able to include the quotation that you found. Hence, since the completed paper will be much better with the quotation than without, comma, and then there's a blank. And the question says, which one of the following most logically completes the student's argument? Now, I appreciate you reading that question, but I actually didn't need you to read that question. As soon as I saw that blank, I'm like, wanting yeah. to just finish the sentence for the for you, right? And it's like, since the completed paper will be much better with, that, with the quotation than without it, I better damn well find that book. That's essentially what this person is trying to say. Yeah, like I really better, I want to find yep. the damn mm -hmm. book. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Okay, so now we just need to find that. A says, I will have to include an inaccurate nope. citation. <laughs> Why though? I mean, there's no there's no discussion of like, oh, what are my alternatives? If I can't find the book, I'm just going to go ahead and lie. Like, there was no mention of that. So, yeah, there's no evidence <laughs> supporting the idea that this student wants to yep. plagiarize or include and in, make up a citation or whatever. Like, there's no evidence that the student is wanting yep. to do that. B, I will be unable to complete my research paper. Again, no. Um, we know that the paper won't be as good without the quotation, um, but you can still finish it. just won't be as good. C says, if I do not find the book, my research paper will suffer. True. I mean, I was looking, I'm looking for something that's like, hey, I, I should find that book or I want to find that book. But this is also factually true. If you don't find it, your paper will suffer. Um, in some ways, this is actually a safer claim than what I said. So I would keep this open. I like that. Yeah. So you like it that it's safe, but can we talk a little bit about the question type here? Sure. 
says, which one of the following most logically completes the student's argument? Um, we're looking for the thing that best fills in that blank spot. These answers tend to be, I mean, this is a must be true question. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, it's so other prep companies, you, you might, and even the law school admission council themselves, they might call this like a complete the argument mm -hmm. question, but it's really not because, or it's not helpful to think of it as a complete the argument question because half the time they're going to be looking for a premise and then half the time they're going to be looking for a conclusion or something that must mm -hmm. be true. So if it says since or because or for right before the blank, then they would be looking for something that will bolster the argument. They're like looking for you to fill in the blank with something that isn't in the evidence. But if, if it were added to the evidence, it would help the argument. Yeah. And here they, the blank is following a hence. Mm -hmm. Oh, well it says hence. And then it has a comma clause that has a premise in it, right? Hence, since it provides this additional premise. Yep. And, but then another comma and then the blank. And so what they're really looking for here is something that must be true based on what the student has already said. Yep. And so we're going to classify this as a must be true question. You, this is the rare question type where you can't actually tell what type of question it is by looking at the uh, question. You can't. They can use this exact same stem on a strengthen question. Oh, 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 I, for a half second there, I thought you were referring to the no, passage, no. but yes, I know. I agree hundred yeah. percent. It's like, I knew that we were looking for what must be true from the passage yeah. because the blank was a conclusion. Yeah. Yep. So, th so this is, I mean, it's yet another example of why looking at the question stem or the, sorry, the question before reading the passage is dumb because totally <laughs> here you'd be like, okay, I got to fill the blank in, which by the way is obvious because there's a blank no in the passage it, and you can't tell what type of blank you're filling in. Yeah, until you It could be a must passage. be true or it could be a strength then. And those are vastly different question yep. types. And even for somebody who yep. thinks like, you know, that, that method that Kaplan or whatever teaches is read the question first and then decide whether this is a type of question that you want to do. <laughs> well, you don't know whether it's a strengthen question or a must be true question. And maybe you're good. It must be true, but you suck at strengthen. So how, then how yeah. does that technique technique? I'm just very generous use of that. Okay. How does that bad technique, <laughs> um, you know, help you? It can't. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, you like C C again said, if I do not find the book, my research paper will suffer and you, it feels safe. I like that because that is true, yeah. right? Like I know that to be true on the basis of the information right. provided. Since the completed paper will be much better with the quotation than without, yes, 100%. If I do not find the book, my research paper will suffer. Um, so I'm, I mean, at this point, now that we've talked about it so much, I almost feel like this has to yeah. be the answer, but it's um, it's just, let's see what else there is. Well, the first thing you said, the one, one word, for your first response to yep. see was true. <laughs> well, okay. It's a must be true question. And you're like, well, that's true. Yep. Okay. Well, that's probably yep. the answer. D, if I yep. do not find the book, I will include the quotation without an accurate citation. Okay. Um, you could, this, <laughs> this person certainly could do that, but there's no evidence up to this point 
that suggests that this person is going to go ahead and yeah. lie, as we talked about when we wrote or looked at answer choice. Yeah, a. and if you were going to pick D, then how do you not pick A? And if you were going to pick A, then how do you not pick D? I mean, those yep. two are like mm-hmm. basically identical in meaning that you're going to miscite it um, yep. or include the quote without a citation, which is I the mean, same thing. To be fair, D is better than A because it accounts for not finding the book, whereas A requires. Oh, A is like also, I'm not even going to look for the book. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But still, they they both suck. They both suck. E, if I do not find the book, I will be unable to complete my research paper. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's okay. This is the mirror to to B, but um, it's better than B because it says, "Look, I actually didn't find the book. If I didn't find it, then I'll be unable to complete my research paper." No. All we know so far is that it will be a worse research paper without the quotation, and that's exactly what C said. So C's the answer. So C's the answer, because this turns out to be a must-be-true question, and they wanted you to conservatively... When they say, which one of the following most logically completes the argument, uh, if if the blank is following a hence or anything that indicates that this should be a conclusion, then we can't put anything new into the into that spot. We have to put something that's based in the evidence. And here C's the only one that's based in the evidence. Yeah, I want to actually hammer that home a little bit more. I think people might, maybe when they're new to the test, get thrown off by the phrase most in that question. Like, which one I find most logically? It's like, the more logical something gets, (laughs) the closer it's actually going to get to the original content. Yeah, Like, I almost feel like people might be like, reaching out they're like oh which one is the most oh it's right they go see that most there. and they're like oh so i need an answer that's like extra but no it's yeah they, all they meant was which one is the safest logical completion mm-hmm. of what they were saying there yeah all right um so that's that uh you can be lsat famous get on an upcoming show by emailing help at thinking if you have questions about the lsat demon we have the best customer service team in the world they are at help at lsatdemon.com and they will sort you out um, immediately. Check out our other podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. We've been putting out five episodes a week. There's already uh, over 100 of those episodes to binge if you're so inclined. That was episode 329 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. Okay.